participants are muted and they can unmute themselves. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise the Lord, everyone. This is Pastor Lester and Pastor Sharon Hayes this morning. We greet all of you in the awesome, incredible name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. And we just thank God this morning for each and every one of you joining in this morning on the Creating a Prayer Culture. For God this morning, amen. We had a powerful testimony service this morning. Uh, Sister Green and I, amen, started testifying to the goodness of the Lord at about 530. We just start crying out and blessing the Lord and thanking him this morning. Amen. That was our testimony this morning, that it was recorded in heaven. It's archived in heaven. We sent up prayers this morning. Amen. On the behalf of a lot of things this morning that are going that is going on. And we know it's registered in heaven this morning. We know it's in the censor this morning. We know that it went up as a as just a sweet aroma and a sweet sound in his ears and smell in his nostrils. And so we just thank the Lord for all of you that came in and joined in. And we were just one unified front, amen, crying out to God this morning. And we know that he heard our prayers and they are being answered this morning and help is on the way, amen. So we wanted this morning to continue our, our, our teaching this morning on the revelations of Jesus Christ. Out of the book of John uh, chapter 15, we had gotten started on verses uh, 18 through 27, and we had talked about, you know, uh, hatred was kind of the subject we were dealing with, how the world hated Jesus and it would hate us. And so we kind of dealt with that word hatred, amen. We also talked about uh, the opposite of hatred is love, amen. And this is where the Lord wants to get us to, amen, that, you know, we, we not be hindered or blocked or held back because of hatred, but he wanted us to be able to confront the spirit of hatred uh, and overcome it with the spirit of love, amen. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the scripture declares that, you know, that, 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 uh, that God is all about his people knowing the truth and the truth making us free. Amen. So we want to go to our text this morning. Uh, we looked at a few verses in our text this uh, the other day. Amen. And just something that, that I just feel led that I need to clarify uh, before we go any further. Amen. Because whenever uh, I teach and I make a statement, uh, most of the time uh, I'll tell you if I'm uh, quoting someone, I'll actually give you their name. I'll tell you where, you know, an article I read or something like that. I always try to give people credit for things that I borrow from them sometimes and share with you. And usually I post that when I post uh, my teaching or my message. I try to give you as much detail about what I say because I know if you go back and listen to the tape, you're going to hear what I said, and I want you to be able to have a reference point and not it just be me communicating to you. Uh, I study the word a lot, and a lot of things I say out of my mouth when I'm teaching, I try to base it on the contextual uh, side of what I'm saying. And uh, I think one of the biggest uh, downfalls for us as people who read the word, smart, intelligent people, a lot of times we use our our natural intellect to try to discern the word of God. But the Bible says that the word of God is spiritually discerned. And a lot of times before I make statements, believe me, I'm speaking from a spiritual discernment standpoint. I'm not speaking from a literal or a figurative standpoint because I'm a college educated person. And I know I'm talking to college educated people on the line. So I never will insult your intelligence just by saying things, okay? I don't just make stuff up. I study so that I'll be prepared. So when I make a statement, I'm already ready to defend that statement if there's a question about that statement. So you don't have to second guess when I say something to you. Uh, sometimes I, I might not say it the way you want to hear it. And you might go back and come up with something and say, well, that's not what the scripture says. That's not in the Bible. That's your prerogative. That's fine. But when I make a statement... Believe me, I'm speaking from a position of spiritual discernment because that's how I approach the word. I look at it literally. I look at it physically. I look at it every way you can look at it. But at the end of the day, the word of God is spiritually discerned. And you have the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost. I depend on him to quicken me 
once I get that 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 uh, that translation, or when I get that that theological uh, framework, how it's written, I try to keep it in context. I try not to go outside of that. And so the other morning, I made a statement about God loves the sinner and hates sin. And 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 I was found out that some people don't believe that that's in the Bible. Uh, I know my Gandhi uh, Gandhi said that. Uh, back in 1929, I also know that St. Augustine said that back in 1941. Amen. But you have to understand that was not a concept that was given in 1941 or in 1929. Those men, you have to ask yourself, where did they get that statement from? Uh, uh, Gandhi only wrote it in his bio as an afterthought. He, it wasn't a doctrine he was he was releasing. It was an afterthought. But where did Gandhi get that concept from? He got it from the word of God, like a lot of false prophets, false teachers do. They take the word of God and they twist it. They don't discern it. They look at it figuratively and they look at it literally because they are smart people. But they miss the spiritual discernment of the word. What was the spiritual intent behind the word? This is why the scripture said we should be fully persuaded in the spirit of our mind and not just in the spirit of what's said. Okay, because people can say a lot of things in a lot of different spirits. And so we have to understand that the bigger picture is that statement. Amen. The way he said it, the way he said it. It's not written in the Bible that way. Like a lot of even Satan, when he approached Eve, he didn't tell her exactly what God said. He said it the way he wanted to say it. And so if I didn't say it's written in the Bible, there's a reason why I didn't say it's written in the Bible. I just made a, a, a discerning, uh, you know, statement because I'm looking at myself. I'm always the first partaker. And when I make a statement, I'm always speaking from how I spiritually discerned it and how it pertains to me not the rest of the world and most times people are looking at everything outward to the world and not looking at it internally and how it fits you or me personally so when i make statements you would better believe before i give it to you i've already filtered it through my very own life so when i make a statement and say god hates the sinner and he, he he hates the sin and he, he loves the sinner i'm talking about me i'm talking about my sin because he saved me because he loves me the sinner. I'm not talking about anybody else out there. I'm talking about me. So when I make that statement, always know Pastor Lester is talking about Pastor Lester because he saved me. And I know exactly what I'd be saying when I say when I make that statement. So please understand that. Huh? And if I tell you it's written in the Bible, believe me, it's written in the Bible. But if I never tell you it's written in the Bible, then don't treat it like I, like I said it's in the Bible. You might say it's in the Bible, it ain't in the Bible. But if I don't say it ain't in the Bible, then don't accuse me of saying that it ain't in the Bible. I never said that. I simply said God hates the sinner, I mean the sin, but he loves the sinner. Now let me tell you what I based that on because when I look at Satan who fell from heaven, when I look at uh, you know what Cain did to Abel, when I look at what the serpent did to Eve, when I, when I look at this statement right here is what I based that on. When the Lord said, Esau I hate, Jacob I love, I wonder why he said that. Because he knew Esau was going to represent all of the evil that was going to take place out there. You know, sin had, you know, sin had not yet taken place because, you know, Adam sinned and therefore sin was imputed to us. But he did say Esau because he knew God knew the beginning. He knew the end. He knew what Esau was going to represent. And so the Bible says that God hates sinners. I know a lot of times we say God don't hate sinners. But see, when you make it personally, when I was in sin, God hated me because he hated my sin. OK, but he loved me when I met the conditions, which was repentance to come out of sin. And so when I make statements like that, believe me, I'm talking about me before I talk about anybody else. And so always give me the credit for that when I teach. OK, I'm not shooting shotgun blasts out there at everybody else. Now, when I pray for the lost, you'll hear me say the lost. Now I'm talking about the unsaved out there. OK, you hear me talk about the backslider. So now I'm addressing the broader picture. But when I make a personal statement, believe me, I'm speaking from what I first partook of. And that's what I base that on. Now, I can give you tons of scriptures because they're there. And some of you might dispute this and say that's not true, that God hates the sinner. And the scripture backs that up and says that he does hate the sinner. OK, because it's, it's a conditional hate. 
because he still uh, says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But he also said, too, that those who don't believe on him are already condemned. That's not love, y'all. That's God hate that person, okay, until they meet the condition, okay? And that condition is universal for everybody. So understand that, okay, that when I make a statement like that, unless I tell you it's in the Bible, don't treat it like it's in the Bible. I'll tell you if it's in the Bible, and I'll give you verse and scripture where it's at in the Bible. I'll do that for you. Most of you that listen to my teaching know that's how I teach, you know, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, line upon line, you know, and if I ever quote somebody, I'll tell you that this is a quote. I'll tell you where it's at, you know, so you can go check it out for yourself because, you know, it's important that I give you and provide with you as much, listen to me, contextual information uh, as I possibly can because the worst thing that you can do is misunderstand something I said and misquote it, you know, or misunderstand it. And so, and I'm not perfect, but I'm faithful in my study to make sure when I say something, I've already partaken of it myself. I got a good understanding of it. So I'm always speaking from a spiritual discernment standpoint, not a literal standpoint and not a figurative standpoint, because, you know, I, I move away from my intellect and I go into my spiritual discernment of the word of God. And I need the Holy Ghost to help me do that. So I, I pray and hope that you that you that you understand where I'm coming from when, when I make that statement. Amen. Or any statement. Usually, I know what I'm talking about. Not all the time. I'm not. I'm not perfect. I do miss it sometimes. But make sure you have a clear understanding of what I say when I say it. Uh, amen. Before you respond to it, Amen. Uh, because uh, I never want to mislead God's people. I take no joy or no pleasure in doing that. So, um, Amen. So let's get into the uh, into the word this morning. Uh, you know, and I want to pick up uh, in verse. 21 this morning of that chapter and it says but all these things will they do you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me because the world does not really know God only of him and this is my point right there you know they have a literal view they have a figurative view but you really, really have to be really seriously baptized in the Holy Ghost because he gives you the spiritual discernment of, of, of what God is saying. And without him, uh, you can get so close, uh, but that's not the whole truth. Uh, it's a lot of truth than what Gandhi said. It's a lot of truth than what St. Augustine said. He was the first one to make the statement anyway. You know, and they, 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 they had a reason why they made the statement, because they were dealing with what they thought the scripture said. OK, they were smart people. You know, they were educated people. Well, guess what? You got four thousand four hundred different denominations out there right now who think they know what the word of God says. Yeah, OK, and nine, probably 90 percent of what they think and believe is based on the word. OK, but it's that 10 percent. That, that little fox, that little temper that spoils the whole argument because they fail in understanding the deity of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people hate Christians because 99.9% .9 of what we believe is based on Jesus Christ. And we may have a little small percentage where we're still trying to learn. This is why the revelation of Jesus Christ is so important. But basically, 99.9% .9 it's based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's based on what the Holy Ghost brings back to our remembrance. It's based on his leading, his guiding, because guess what now? He was sent to be the spirit of truth. And if you have him on the inside of you, the Bible says he teaches us all things. What are all things? The rest of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because we have the word to learn ourselves. But now how we discern that word is where the challenge is at. If you look at it literally, if you look at it figuratively, you're only going to get some truth, a part of the truth. That's why we push people having the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because he teaches you all of the truth. Why? He knows the mind of God. He knows what's in our spirit. That's why he's there to help us to know all the truth so that we can come into the knowledge of the truth. Talk about the full knowledge of the truth, all of the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that's why we have to depend on him 
to be who he is. The Bible said that Jesus prayed to the father that he would send his promise because Jesus knew that, hey, I know they didn't spiritually discern everything I taught them when I was on earth with them. Some of them walked away in rejection. Some of them were converted that did here. Everybody didn't get it. I'm fully aware on this line for the broader audience. Amen. And that's what I'm speaking to the broader audience. I'm not just speaking to the six or seven people that get on this line. So please don't think that I'm just talking to you when I speak. I'm speaking to a broader audience. I'm praying and hoping that once it get recorded and published, that everybody out there, they have access to us on Facebook. When they go listen to it, I'm praying and hoping that they would give us the credit that we studied what we said and we know what we're talking about. And if there's a question that we leave the platform open for them to ask for clarification, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of anything I say because I studied the word of God and I'm not trying to please people. I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to give you enough information, speaking the truth in love without compromise that when you read it, the Holy Ghost got something he can convict you of that was said. Not my word, but God's word. That's where the power is at. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm like Paul in that regard because I understand the power. You should feel the same way, okay? But I'd always be the first partaker. Uh, don't be so outward looking that you miss out inwardly to feel those other little spots in your life that are still being looked at figuratively and 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 uh, and, uh, and uh, literally, okay. And you you welcome to do that if you want to stay right there. But I have to look at it through the through the spirit, you know, and discern it. In other words, what was the context with which it was given? And you've heard me say this before. I like to deal with the who who's saying it, okay? Who are they saying it to, okay? What is the lesson of the message they're trying to communicate? And what is the result? What's the outcome? And then I have to look at, okay, how does this uh, speak to me? I know how it spoke to them, but what is it to me? What does it mean to me? I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. So it has a different meaning to me than it does a Jew, even though it's universal. Jews required a sign and a wonder before they believed. We're under grace. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Okay. And grace operates by faith and love. Okay. God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But you got to know what they are and you got to know what the intent was or the spirit was that they were given in. And that's what applies to us. OK, that's what applies to us. And without the spirit, I can't discern the word of God. I only look at it literally and I only look at it, you know, figuratively. That's that's the limit of how I can how, how I can understand the word, you know. And this is why he said, and all you're getting, get understanding. Don't just get the wisdom and think you got it. Get the understanding and all you're getting. And the understanding is both literally, figuratively, and then spiritually. Because you have to remember the spirit had not come and dwelt and lived in them in the Old Testament under the law. So they could only look at things figuratively and literally. But remember now, when Jesus came, fulfilled all the law, so that they no longer could be limited to just what they knew. And those were smart people back there. Paul was smart. All of them were smart. But Paul became even smarter when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost because now he could understand the spiritual side of it. Now he could discern the spiritual side of it. And Paul felt bad. He felt guilty because he said, you know, I, I, I know who I was and where I was before Christ blinded me and freed me. He, he, he understood he said, I realized I, I, made a, I made a huge mistake there. I thought one thing was doing one thing based on one thing. But when he opened my eyes and allowed me now to be able to discern spiritually, I saw things in a whole different light. And when I look at the word, that's how I look at it. I look at it figuratively. I look at it, you know, literally. And then I say, OK, what is the spirit of the word here that I'm looking at? How do I discern this spiritually? And that's when the Holy Ghost helps me. And so let's let's be uh, clear about what he's saying right here. And he says in book in, in, in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. So then because the world is convicted of sin, this conviction is a result of the Lord's message 
in convicting, yes, his message does convict. Just don't change his message. Just experience it, you know. Just experience it. Don't change it, okay? Because you have to understand, now he's telling you right here, in this verse right here, you got to see it right here. He's telling you that I don't like sin. I hate sin, you know, you know. I hate sin. And it's my unconditional love that will convict the sinner. Listen to this now. Not just to convict you as a sinner, but convict you because of sin that God hates. That's love. You have to think about that. That's love. What if he didn't convict you? The wages of sin is death, the gift of God's eternal life. You would die in your sin. And so understand the spirit of this statement he's making. Discern this by the spirit. You know, he's saying, you know, hey, because I love you, I hate, I hate the sinner as long as he stays in sin or she stays in sin. And it's not because of you as a sinner. You got to remember, he knows that because of Adam's sin, it wasn't your fault. It, sin came in. God knows this. Why he sent Jesus. And that's unconditional love, even though he says, I hate the sinner. You know, if you, if you, if you read in the book of Psalms, chapter 5, verses uh, 4 through Seven, I think it is. He tells you, man, that he hates the sinner. You know, he, he tells you that. But he also sent his son to die for the sinner because of the sinner's sin. Not because you were a sinner, but because of the sin that was imputed because of what Adam did. And he says, you know, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. They didn't know. Just like we don't know. Okay. But nevertheless, God does not compromise when it comes to sin. And as and and long as that sinner, just like he said, I hate Esau, but I love Jacob. Why? Esau was a sinner. God already saw his whole life. And he looked at him and said, I hate you. I hate you. But I love Jacob because what they represented, you know, they represented, man, you know, one represented sin and then uh, uh, all the sinners, you know, all that came the same way Esau came, didn't have no concern about the relationship with God. He told them that in his mother's womb, in Rebecca's womb. And so when I make statements like that, I'm saying uh, uh, Lester the sinner God hates because of Lester's sin. Not because of Lester, but because of Lester's sin. And Jacob represents God because that's the lineage, how love came through the son of God, you know. Jesus came down through Jacob's lineage, okay, which bought the love of God, that unconditional love. Even in the womb, when he said that about those two brothers, those twins, he was looking, uh, you know, remember, he's the beginning and the end. So he's looking at the end of our relationship with him and the conditions that were going to be met. Already knew it before the foundation of the world. He already knew, okay, that we were going to struggle with sin. He said that even when, when man was on the earth, man is but a few days and full of evil. God already knew, but he made a provision. And so that's when I make a statement like that. I'm putting myself in the scripture. That's how it applies to me, you know, because I'm a sinner saved by grace, you know. Okay. And, 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 and it's not because uh, I'm a sinner, but I sin because I'm a sinner. That's, that's why I sin. I was born a sinner. You too, all of us, you know, nobody should think otherwise. So it, you have to take it personally before you can <clears throat> you know, make it fit somebody else's situation. Amen. And which is what I try to do a lot of times. Maybe a lot of times I don't just say Lester, 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 Lester. Like some folks, that just, 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 you know, every, but I understand when I'm saying it, I'm talking about what I have partaken of. Amen. Before you partake of it or anyone else that hear it, uh, I first partake of it before I give it to you. And if it works for me, uh, who was a real chief sinner, you know, I was totally lost. Just like Paul said about himself, of which I was the chiefest, amen. And so, you know, uh, it, it ain't one size fits all, amen. But uh, he says it right there. He says, now they have no cloak for their sin, amen. You know, and it's because, uh, you know, until you know and aware or aware of sin, the existence of sin in your life, you have no cloak for it, amen. So what you're left with is God hates a sinner. Until and it's because of the sin that you have no cloak for, and the only cloak could be is Jesus Christ. The only way out of it is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's why He came, and that's the message. His message does convict. Just don't change the message. You know, sometimes it doesn't seem like 
Uh, people are getting the message. Uh, this is why I take the time to try to explain it, to give you different angles to look at it, you know, so you don't get stuck in, uh, in uh, like I said, looking at things in black and white. You know, the, the scripture was not written that way. It was written in Chaldean, Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. And you have to have an understanding of all those cultures, how they view the message. Jesus didn't change the message. It was just differently looked at. Some looked at it under the law. Some looked at it under grace. Okay. And we made a transition. The book of Acts, if you go look, it's all about the message leaving the Jews and going to the Gentiles. And then Paul picked it up in Romans. And now it's all to the Gentiles and just a few Jews that showed up at the church in Rome, you know, and, and they, they got converted. Now, some had gotten converted while Jesus was teaching because they heard the message. Same message, same message Jesus taught, same message the Holy Spirit taught through Paul, Peter, all those apostles. Same message, you know. They didn't change it, even though it was spoken in various languages. If you remember on the day of Pentecost, they heard them speak in their own tongue. If you go look and read that, there's about 12 different groups of languages that were spoken there. Why 12, Pastor? And it lists the name of all those different uh, tribes of people, different languages, backgrounds that showed up on that day of Pentecost. Because each one of those apostles, the 12 of them, represented one of those languages, okay, because all of them spoke a different language. And so the people heard them speak in their language. It was representative of those 12 original apostles that got filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken with a new tongue. The new tongue was that people heard them speak all from a different place in their language because that was the Holy Ghost. They, they couldn't learn that language. God gave it to them because he wanted them to communicate his message to all those different people that was at that Pentecostal uh, event, you know? So each apostle represented a new tongue that they spoke in the language of those people that were out there, and the people heard it. That was the Holy Spirit doing that, okay? Verse 23, he says, He that hateth me hateth my father also, but instead let the Lord's life in his mighty works convict. You know, let that convict. See, see. And when I look at what the Lord says about what he hates and who he hates, I can't ex I can't exclude myself and look at everybody else, even though I'm saved. I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I can still fall any time out of grace. So I ain't there yet. I'm still working out my salvation with fear and trembling. So every time I say something, I'm saying it to me before I say it to you. That's how you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't gone to heaven. Most of you who know me, when I respond sometimes, people say, how you doing? If it get any better, I think I died and went to heaven. <clears throat> it's good right now because I have an opportunity, while the Lord delayed his coming, to learn more about him. And learning more about him, guess what else? I learn more about myself. You can't learn more about him and not learn more about yourself. Before you learn about anybody else, you learn more about him in order that you may learn more about yourself. What potential that you were created with, what potential that you have, you know, what things God created you to do, you know, that's where, it's, where it all starts. You're not going to die and go to hell or heaven based on what nobody else did. Only what we do as individuals. And so this is why we have to be first partakers. We can't get to the point where we think we know it all. I'm constantly learning something new about God every day. That's why we doing the revelations of Jesus Christ. So that we'll know what we don't know. And we can affirm what we think we do know. It's, it's reaffirming, you know, because it's based on the scripture. And we have to be able to discern that spiritually, not literally, not naturally. You know, we got to go a little bit further so that we get the we get the complete understanding, the natural side, the figurative side, the literal side. But most of all, <coughs> the spiritual side and. I like to call it keeping it in context, okay? This is why I always give you the subject, and then I teach the subject. In other words, I say what I'm going to say, and then I say it. Sometimes people don't ever say what they're going to say. They just start talking, and they say a lot. And you, it's hard to get the context of what's being said because they didn't give you, they didn't point you in a direction. And that's no hit on anybody. You would have to really be a, a very smart, intelligent people to, to keep up with that. 
And sometimes that's not the case. The audience that you're, that you're ministering to, if you think it's just the four or five people that's on the line with us that we're familiar with, they might know my personality, they might know your personality, they might know us, so they know where we're coming from. But the broader audience out there, you have to remember, there are scholars out there, there are theologians out there, there are bishops, apostles, and pastors, they may not ever admit it, that are out there. There's a lot of people out there who spend a lot of time in the Word. They're listening to us. Sometimes I, I, I listen to videos and I say, man, that's exactly what we said the other day. Then I go back and look and I say, okay, that person was on our line. That's okay. We're not, we're not going to stop and change the message because of that. We're just going to be clear about what we say and be prepared to defend what we say. Not what nobody else say, but what we say. I'm always going to be prepared to do that. Because I don't want to be misunderstood. I want to be understood. Because the Lord wants us to get understanding in all our getting. Okay, let's go a little further here. Verse 24, he says, uh, If I had not done among them the works which uh, none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. I wonder why they hated both of them. Same reason they're going to hate us, because they represented the same thing. You know, Jesus came and did what? Became sin for us. Okay, he became a sinner for us. Okay, took on the sin of the world for us. So we understand now why they hated Jesus and the father, because they were the same. So now we understand why they hate us because they hated Jesus. Why? Because Jesus became us sinners, you know. He, he took on our sins. So if you took on my sin, that means you became the sinner in my place. You, you were the substitute for me. But it was temporary. It didn't last forever. It was just long enough so that he could purchase our salvation by dying because that's what was supposed to happen to sinners. Well, why would a sinner die? Well, if they don't get saved, the ways of sin is death to give God eternal life. That's why Jesus died. So he could take the sting out of it, so he could take the victory out of the grave for us. And you had to really hate what God hated to do that. But it wasn't hate like we look at hate. It was just a strong disapproval. I think I gave you the meaning of that. It was just a strong, God disapproved of what man had done through sin. And it was his unconditional love that caused him now to love the sinner, but still hate the sin. And up until the time that man received that love, that unconditional love, God hated the sinner. The sinner didn't know he was sinning or she was sinning. If they known it, they would not have done it. It was supposed to be, the law was supposed to be a schoolmaster to teach you that you're a sinner. Here's why, because you're doing X, Y, and Z. And when they failed to get it, God didn't leave them, you know, in sin. He sent the second man out to become sin for us. And he killed his son. He died. He allowed his son to die because that's what was required. You know, and see, when you hate something like God hated sin, why he said in the beginning, Esau I hate, but Jacob I love. He knew what both of them was going to represent. He wasn't going to change that message. Just because man was a few days and full of evil, born in sin, committing sin. Adam and Eve did it in the garden. You know, Cain slew Abel. Satan got kicked out because he was full of pride. God hates pride. Took a third of his angels too because they followed him. And this is always the message. You know, and some people would, tell, would, would say, well, God loves, you know, love that sinner. No, he hates a sinner that won't get saved. You go read the book of Proverbs chapter 6. It gives you seven things God hates. And every one of them deals with a sinner. He doesn't change the message. But he does it from an unconditional love standpoint because Jesus satisfied what the Father required. That debt had to be paid. Jesus didn't go in the grave and didn't die. He died. He died to take the sting out of death and the victory out of the grave. And he did that for me. Now, you know, and I know he did it for the whole world, but it has become personal for me. A sinner saved by grace. 
I'm always going to be a sinner, but I'm also saved by grace. Okay. Anybody born on this earth is born a sinner, but you can be saved by grace. Don't ever forget that. We have to be first partaker. That's what the unconditional love comes in. It doesn't change the fact that God hated the sinner until the sinner got saved. He think he sent his son to die, you know, because he loves sin and sinners? No. They were, they were doomed to die. Anybody who, under the law, if you committed sin, remember they wanted to kill the woman who was caught in adultery? They wanted to say the law said she should be stoned to death. So let's, 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 let's have a clear understanding about the real meaning of the message. Um, he says in verse 23, he that hated me hated my father also, you know. And so, uh, you know, if Jesus had not a did works that were worthy of them repenting of their sin, it would be a different story. But because he did, we're not left without excuse. Verse 24, he says, if I had not alone among them, uh, yeah, if I have not done among them, okay, the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and the Father. So he's reiterating the fact there, if I had not come, you know, the Father so loved the world that he sent me because he wasn't going to leave you as a sinner because as a sinner, everybody would have had to die for their sin. But God took care of that through Jesus. That's the unconditional love portion, okay? Because he hated that we were in sin. The Father couldn't look at us no more. He could only do it through his son, Jesus, who became that sin for the whole world, okay? Until Jesus died, boom, we were summoned to death because we were sinners. Uh, book, verse 24, I'm sorry, verse 25 says, And this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. Okay, took care of that too, that that might be fulfilled. We know it was fulfilled through Jesus. That got, that got us out of deep water. Okay, that, that got us out of, off of death row. Okay, as sinners. And it says, they hated me without a call. Okay, now God was, we were the one that was sinners deserving to die. But they hated God because it was without a cause because, you know, God created us, okay? We were not living up to the image and likeness that he created us, okay? So there was no need to hate God because when God created, what did he say about us? I created you good. But because of one man's sin, you became bad. And I had to destroy you, okay? So the first uh, men, uh, people on the earth were destroyed by the flood. Okay, they were destroyed. Why? You think God destroyed somebody that he that he loved? No, but because they were sinners. Okay, they were sinners. So do the sinners deserve to die? Only if God hates you. Because he's the only one that can give life. And guess what? He's the only one that can take life. But instead of just leaving us where the first man, Adam, left us by sinning in the garden, he said, I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to not send a flood again. I'm going to save, man. Now I'm going to send my only begotten son. But God had already prophesied this through the prophecy when he said, Esau, I hate, Jacob, I love. He was already making a provision for sinners. And I take it personally because I put myself in that situation. And I said, God had every right to hate me and to destroy me. Regardless of whether it was my fault or not, God hates sin. He hates a sinner, too, that stays in sin. Even if you didn't know it was sin, because he did give the law. So we're without excuse. That's where grace and mercy comes in at. He's long-suffering, you know. You know. But it comes to pass, he says, that the word might be fulfilled that was already spoken for the foundation of the world. That's why we got to go and read the scriptures and get these revelations. So we have a good understanding of the full picture, not just what I see literally, not just what I see figuratively, but what am I discerning spiritually about this? How does this apply to me today? It applies to me today under grace, under mercy. Okay. Because Jesus took care of what I owe God that I deserve to die for. Wasn't like that under the law. 
Verse 26, he says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the father, even the spirit of truth, that ain't no little S that's talking about, the, you know, God, the Holy Spirit with us, which proceeded from the father, he shall testify of me. Now, I love this. He said, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the father, even the spirit of truth. Why do I need the spirit of truth to come? I have no other ability to rightly divide the word of God because it's spiritually discerned. And without the spirit, I'm having some truth, but not all of the truth. Therein lies the problem when we say 4,000 denominations, 4,400 denominations, because without the spirit, they cannot discern the truth about the deity of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son. It's the same boat we in without the spirit. We try to discern it. We try to understand it. And sometimes we leave ourselves short because we look at it figuratively. I'm a smart, educated person. I know what that's saying. Yeah, you're looking at the English translation. But until you go back and do some research and you got to go back further than all these men who were on the earth that created all these religions out there that got people confused. You got to go further than that. You got to go all the way back when it was originally given. And then follow it all the way up to where it's at now. And look at how it was applied in all those generations. Some under the law, some under grace. Look at how it was applied. Now you're beginning to spiritually discern because if today you got the Holy Spirit, he will help you to be able to understand what was God's, uh, what was the context Sometimes we take things out of context. That's why I like to give you the subject. I don't care how far back I go. See, the subject will enlighten you on, on the who, the what, the where. You know, it, it'll tell you so that you don't think like a Jew. You think like a Gentile who had the gospel preached to them after the Jews rejected it. And see, we don't think that way. We try to think like a Jew. And there were certain things that apply only to the Jews that don't apply to us today the same way. Why? Because we, 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 we are the spirit age. The church age is the spirit age. And we have to let the spirit that God sent the comforter, the helper, the paraclete who have come to us. OK, he's here with us now because Jesus left. So we have the Holy Spirit. Now, don't just let the Holy Spirit be here and we not believe God so we can receive him. Because I'm going to limit myself if I do. Now, that's the love of God. He did not want to leave us comfortless. He sent us a helper. You know, we don't we, we we don't even have to know how to pray because we don't know how. But the, he even helps us do that, how to communicate what we think, what we feel to God so that, you know, we're praying according to the will of God and not according to my will. But his will sound familiar. That's what Jesus did. Not my will, but that will be done, uh, you know. And it says, but nevertheless, there is still the promise of victory over the world for God's people. This victory comes through the Holy Spirit, not through my intellect, not through my, 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 my understanding, because he is the, the counselor and comforter, teacher, also known as the spirit of truth, who bears witness to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. No, no other way. OK, no other way we can know, but through Jesus, no other way that we can know, but through the father, no other way that we can know, but through the God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth who's with us now, who's in us now as believers, okay? And we have to let him discern spiritual things because the Bible says he knows the mind of God. He, he searches through our infirmities so that we don't run off with our own understanding and think something is, 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 is literal when it's spiritual or figuratively when it's literal. You know, we got to be able to discern the difference so that when we speak, we got a good idea of what we intending to say there and what we're saying. A lot of times it may not come across that way because what we don't understand is, is this person speaking from their own personal experience or are they talking to me in general out here? Which is sometimes a, where a lot of the messages get lost at because people take it that you're talking directly to them. And you're basically talking to yourself before you're talking to them because you're hearing what you're saying yourself. And if it ain't making sense, you should be the first one to catch it and say, well, that's not what I meant. But if that's what you meant, say what you mean and mean what you say. But you got to be ready to back it up and defend it when it's questioned. 
Verse 27, and we're going to end right here. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Okay. How, how is that possible, Pastor? And ye shall also bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Now, in this particular case, the minute Jesus came and started going about from the wedding feast, Capernaum, doing all these things, those disciples, those 12 original apostles. Now, there was a lot of people following him. A lot of people got healed. But specifically, he's talking to a specific group of people here, 12 apostles. And he's telling them, you have been with me from the beginning. Why is that so important? Why is that so significant? It's like he's saying, if you had been paying attention personally, but what they were doing is what a lot of us do. Well, they were probably looking at everything around Jesus, how everybody was responding to Jesus. You know, initially, they probably denied Jesus, didn't want to be associated with him intimately and personally. But the more and more time they spent with them, amen, the more and more that they could see about themselves that they too were just as guilty as those people who were rejecting Jesus, even though they had been chosen to follow him. But they had to grow in their understanding. They had to grow in their wisdom. They had to grow in their knowledge. They had to grow in the revelation of Jesus Christ that he, 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 he confirmed what he said, what the father gave him to say by the miracles that he did, because he did not want them to, to have any reason to blame him and be legally right by their law. So he had to fulfill it right before their eyes. But at the same time, these disciples, these chosen 12, these apostles that were going to later be baptized in the Holy Ghost and go out, man, and do some wonderful works. They had not received the promise yet. He had not come. They are having a hard time because they're looking at things literally and they're looking at things figuratively that he's doing. And they have not yet discerned spiritually what he's talking about. They couldn't. It was impossible. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. He hadn't been glorified yet. And this is where a lot of us at today. We have the Holy Spirit, but do we allow him to, to discern things for us spiritually? Or do we like to look at it literally and figuratively and think we got it? And I would just tell you, you know, to be cautious about that because keep things in context. Always make it that you have partaken of it first and that you fully understand it before you respond to it. They responded to it like a lot of other folks. They didn't understand it. But Jesus didn't hold it against them, just like he don't hold it against us today because he still wants these revelations revealed to us today so that we don't do what they did, think we know what we don't know. And there's a lot that I don't know. So don't ever give me credit for thinking I know everything. When I learn something, that's what I share. And I depend on God to, to help me with what I learn. If I'm going to be a teacher, I got to learn what I'm teaching. I got to know what I'm teaching. And I got to know that God is pleased with what I'm teaching. Now, people might not never be pleased. That ain't a reason for me to teach. The reason I teach, number one, I think I'm called to do this. I think I've been ordained to do this. So don't think for a minute this is just a task or something, Pastor, and I just took up and said, we're going to do this. And we're still learning how to do it. We, 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 we haven't perfected it yet. Don't think that. Okay, then, we're going to go ahead and end right there. Amen. You know, as individual believers, we can only see and have a victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because victory is given to many of God's believers by our God, okay, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read that, uh, you know, over in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 51 through 58, the King James Bible, uh, because he says here, Behold, I show you a mystery. Uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall uh, be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we be brought 
She said it be brought to pass the sayings that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so here, this scripture is really talking about uh, the spiritual versus the natural. We're going to take off this natural one day and we're going to put on the spiritual, celestial and cholesterol. You know, you have to understand we have a physical body, but we also have a spiritual body. And we have to understand and discern spiritually, just like we do naturally, because if we only think about the natural body, that's all we'll see. We won't see that there's a there's an incorruptible and there is a, you know, immortality that we're going to put on. This is what we're preparing for now. And so now we got to treat spiritual things like spiritual things and natural things like natural things. And so we're going to end right there. Amen. Hopefully I didn't confuse you. Hopefully you got something out of what I what I'm saying to you. Amen. But trust me, take no pleasure in confusing people, deceiving people or misleading people. I, I try to know what I'm talking about when I say something. All right, then. Well, Father, we thank you. We praise you right now, God, for what has been said today. God, pray, pray, Lord God, that if something that was said that people learn to eat the meat and throw away the bone, Lord God. And, 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 and I pray for understanding. I pray for spiritual uh, discernment for everyone that's on this line, whether they be a part of the immediate group or the expanded group. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus as I bind the spirit of confusion uh, and I release the spirit of understanding right now in the name of Jesus. Spiritual discernment, God, is what we strive for in everything. So we give you praise, glory, and honor for that now. I humble myself under the hand of the Holy Ghost right now. And God, I thank you that we can be first partakers of what we give to others to partake. And we pray in the name of Jesus that we will continue to imitate you in all we say or do, God, and keep things perpetual that it will not mislead your people. We give you praise going on the floor right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, we're going to shift right now and have comments starting with Pastor Sharon. Amen, and we'll be followed by our very own pastors. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Thank God for the word this morning. i like to go to the book of John, the 15th chapter, verse 24. 